0: Welcome to another live episode of the Eric Crocker Show. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back Eric Crocker. And of course, as always, I'm joined by the great coach Desi. We're going to go over 49ers injuries. We're going to go over something Cam Newton and his uh, thoughts on a few quarterbacks, right? Not just Brock Purdy. I think 49ers fan base has made it about Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Jerichoff, and why he may or may not be wrong, all right, but uh, we're going to discuss that. We've got the injuries. We've got the number one seeded 49ers. How important is it to hold on to that role? We're going to discuss all that and more. But first, make sure you guys keep it locked here and download the app, Underdog Fantasy, or go to underdogfantasy.com. And when you use promo code Crocky, they will double your deposit up to $100. Last night, I played a little bit and... uh. Did not lose any money. Didn't win a whole bunch of money. I think I won like 80 bucks, but did not lose money. That's always a good night. All right, so make sure you guys download the app or go to Underdog Fantasy and use promo code Crocky. Coach Desi, how you doing?
1: I am doing fabulous. How are you?
0: I am doing good. Uh, the 49er fan base has kind of been shaking up a little bit, and I think if if Camden didn't know that people hear his takes, he definitely does now because once the 49er fan base gets a hold of it, it's an uproar and uh, I went live with my buddy uh, will Blackman last night will Blackman he played you know 12 years in the NFL and uh, you know he played against Cam Newton and I'm like man are, are people kind of downplaying like how good of a player cam was in his prime and maybe it was for a long time or not that long of a time maybe he had a few years with one great year but yeah. are people downplaying like just his impact and uh, I text him I said hey uh did you play against Cam Newton he was like sure did. I was like, what are your thoughts? He said, let's go on your podcast. I'm like, all right, so we fired it up. We went live at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific or 6.30 Pacific last night. A bunch of people in there watching. Great, 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 great show with tons of insight. But I did ask him one question. I said, what is the difference between a game manager and a game changer? Because that's what Cam Newton was talking about. matter of fact, you know what? Hold on. Let's hear what Cam Newton had to say on this. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brack Parity, like, but Brock, let's—they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers, Brock Parity, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really Dak Prescott. Mm. These are game managers. They're, they're not difference makers. And when you say game manager, I'm not asking you to go out and win the game. I'm just asking you not to lose. Not to lose the game. That's, listen, motherfucker. I don't give a damn what you do. You don't have to score every time. You just don't have to throw a pick every time either. If we're going to really call a spade a spade, a game manager is different than a game changer. So I asked Will his thoughts on that game manager versus game changer. And he said, essentially, a game manager is typically a quarterback that might have more around him and maybe doesn't have to go above and beyond to win games. Like, the main thing for you at quarterback is don't lose the game. Now, I think what's getting lost in that, and this is just my opinion, I think Brock Purdy is in a game-managing situation, right? Like, we typically don't ask him to lose the game. Right, or to win the game, excuse me. Like it's not like a you gotta go out there and win it. It is more so you have to go out there and not lose it. But I do think even in that role, he is exceeding what a game manager typically does. You know, uh, you look at the 49er quarterbacks over the past few years, and you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that's one that stands out. I don't even think that Jimmy was a game manager, I think he made some throws and did some things where it's like, man, he is really contributing these wins and I think Brock Purdy take that a step above what I call Brock a game changer I don't think he's had to be that guy but I definitely think he's exceeding whatever your thoughts are on a game manager what are your thoughts on that
1: I'm wondering how much it really matters right I mean every quarterback has to do game management I mean that's part of the job is to manage the game if you get set into a situation where you have to be the, you know, like Josh Allen, right? Everybody knows Josh Allen is the guy that has to like put the whole team on his back and trench them down the field. But guess what? They don't have the wins that we have. So at the end of the day, you got to look at the whole picture. It's not just one individual, but every single quarterback is a game manager. And yes, he's right. There are difference makers out there, but if you look at them, what is their team doing? Right? Josh Allen, not where we are, uh, Patrick Mahomes, not where we are, um, even um, Justin, Justin Herbert, right? All exceptional talents that have that ability, but you're the same thing can be said on the other way around. You can be that guy, but look at what Patrick Mahomes is dealing with. He can't get a receiver to catch a ball to save his neck, right? So, I mean, your quarterback can only be as good as the people around you, and the people around you can only make you the quarterback that you are. It's, it's, a, it's a give and take. So, um, I think that's my... My
0: two cents on it. Oh, I love it. I got a uh, similar football in the, in the chat. And he says, Crock, I disagree. Uh, Brock immediately came in and changed the game in 2022. He's a game changer. Th- these are the times when I have these... T- okay, first of all, and I talked to my guy, Jesse, about this. I talked to my guy, Chris, about this. And the way I talk football with my brothers, right? Like, that's how I assume I'm able to talk football on the internet. But a lot of times... If I talk that way, the way that we talk, and maybe how Cam is talking as well, you come off as clickbaity or that you're a hater or this and that. And it's like, nah, man, like we're just talking football. Yeah. Brock Purdy, I do not think has had to come in and be a game changer. Like that is my honest opinion. I do think that whatever role he has been asked to do, he has done that to the highest level. All right. So if you want to call that a game changer, all right. But to me, when I think of game changer, it's a little different than what Brock has had to do. And that's not undermining any greatness that Brock has shown early in his career. I think he has been terrific. I think that he has done everything and more that Kyle has asked of him. Um, I I continue to say, and you know, I, I talked about this, I cut up a segment about wanting to see like that killer, like that killer instinct in the moment where everything has really gone against you, and then putting the team on your back in that position. And I don't think he's quite done that, but just in the sense of whatever he's been asked to do, he has done that to the highest level. Like he has, it's like, Hey, I need you to do that. And I've said that plenty of times. Like I do not think that there's a quarterback in football that is functioning in their offense better than Brock Purdy is functioning in his offense. All right. So however y'all want to take that or spin that or, or whatever you're taking away, you're hearing from that, um, Brock Purdy is, is definitely doing that. All right.
1: so Which has uh, actually changed the game in the 49ers locker room, right? That, that is a game changer for our team. That's, we have, we have seen other quarterbacks come in this system, not do as well, have the same, you know, uh, people around him to some degree, but so a game changer for the team, but you know, NFL wide, you know, it doesn't mean that he's still not, he. He may still get there is what I'm trying to say, right? This this is only his first full season as QB1. So it doesn't mean that he can't become that maybe down the road. But, you know, I agree with what you're saying.
0: This is a great question from uh, Jackson. He says, would Joe Montana be considered an elite game manager? Uh, This might be a better question for Desi because I have said it many times. I have never watched a Joe Montana game. I've seen like uh, maybe like a throwback, like moments, of Joe Montana, but actually watching him and you know, and this is just with any sport, right? If we're talking about uh, basketball, you know, I, I watched Michael Jordan, so I can speak on Michael Jordan. I did not watch Wilt Chamberlain, so you'll never hear me talk about Wilt Chamberlain. Joe Montana, I never I never watched Montana, not even just in the 49ers uniform. And again, I was young, right? We're talking about when he left, I was maybe four or five years old. So not even just in the 49ers uniform, like Kansas City Chiefs. I played the video game because Joe Montana oh, – people forget about this. Joe Montana actually had a, a football game, Joe Montana Sports Talk Football or some whatever it was called on Sega. I used to play his game, and he had a Kansas City Chiefs uniform on. I played the video game, and I don't think I actually watched him on Kansas City. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be a game manager, but Coach Desi, you can maybe speak more to that.
1: Jackson, you timed that question perfectly. That is exactly why I went back and said it it could still be for Brock Purdy. Like, we're still seeing him so young because Joe's superpower was he was an elite game manager. No question about it. Just like I said, every quarterback has to manage the game to some degree, and Joe was the best. Joe also was elite and a game changer because he was the comeback kid. He could get behind and know his team know what to do and throw that dime and win the game in the final seconds, right? And Brock Purdy, to me, seems like someone who could get to that level, especially, you know, also Brandon Ayuk, very young. We, we've got some young players that he's making connections with that, that could grow. And that's kind of what happened between Joe and Jerry, you know, in their in their heyday. So great question, perfectly timed. I'll give you 20 bucks on the side
0: for putting that in there. Exactly. Well, right. As you're talking to, to talking about Joe Montana, I think when you look at what people have told me about his physical abilities and things like that, it wasn't like eye popping, right? Like you weren't going to confuse uh Joe Montana no, you know. for Dan Marino. Yeah. Right? Like Dan yep. Marino was like, you know, the prototypical uh what you want your quarterback to look like. And he never won a championship. And then you watch Joe Montana, who won several championships and then went to Kansas City, went to, if I'm not mistaken, like an AFC uh, championship game and how that whole thing played out. All right. So you did mention one key thing, though. You said the reason why you felt like, yeah, he was the ultimate game manager, et cetera. But like in those moments, like when they needed that final drive, he came through. And I think so far. That's the one thing I've been saying I've been waiting to see from Brock. And he hasn't been in that situation many times. But, you know, this year there were, I felt like, three opportunities. One, missed field goal, not his fault. The other two, turned the ball over uh, multiple times uh, late in games. So, like you said, still very young. Uh, I don't like the game manager tag on Brock because I think he's, when I think of game manager, I think of, like somebody that's coming in for like, like, like Chase Daniels or something like coming in is like, all right, just don't lose this game. I think he is greatly contributing to winning games, but I would like to see that final step. And I've said that on other, on other uh, episodes as well. So Um, definitely not. Oh, he also talked about Dak Prescott. He talked about uh, Jared Goff and, I don't think either one of those guys. I think Jared Goff, like, man, you look at that team right now, and they're kind of going downhill a little bit, but I would say he's been more than a game manager for Detroit Lions. Now, on the uh, Rams, right, game manager, right? Like, just hand the ball off to Todd Gurley, you know, throw to Cooper Cup, throw to these guys. He did an exceptionally job of that. But with the Lions, I think he's been more than that. Like, he's been really kind of the reason. Uh, why they've won so much that they have over the last, uh, really like last 16 games or so, uh, or a little bit more than that. And then if you look at Dak Prescott, uh, I mean, he's kind of scored, the team scored 35 on you and you're like, all right, don't worry. I'll just score 41. It's hard to say that as a game manager to to, to me, that's something that is going above and beyond uh, and really being kind of a game changer. I mean, he's throwing the ball damn near 40 times a game. he doesn't really have a legit sustainable run game. Uh, there's a lot on Dak Prescott's shoulders. He does have a good defense, but there's a lot on his shoulders to like kind of keep that team afloat. And they, they've been really good. So, um, it's safe to say that Cam Newton might be wrong now. I guess the one thing I, the last thing I want to kind of address is maybe why he feels that way. And uh, my guy shout out to Guy Haberman. Guy Haberman had DM me like, man, for you know, it's kind of firestorm going on right now with this. Uh, you know Camden's taste, and you know guy went on to say, "I can understand why Cam feels that way because Cam was a blue chipper." You know, we we are talking about someone. And if you, those of you who don't know what a blue chipper is, a blue chip is like it's like the elite of elite from an ability standpoint. Like that's a that's a blue chipper. So you know he was a blue chipper when he showed up at Florida. Obviously he left because you know off the field things or whatever. But went to a junior college. Boom! Won a national championship. You know what I'm saying? Like right away, best junior college in the nation. Won a national title uh, at Blaine in Texas. Then he goes to Auburn. You, nobody can name another player on that team on that Auburn team. You, like you just can't. Uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like you can't. I, I remember the running. Doubt. I can't remember the running back's name. But he he was from Little Rock. So I had some teammates when I was in Arkansas that played with him. But anyways. Michael Dyer, I think that's what his name was. So I can name one player, but if I'm not mistaken, there was no player that caught a pass in the NFL on that Auburn roster. They won a national championship, and he was Heisman. So we're talking about a blue chipper. He gets to the NFL, and all like, oh, he can't do is he throws for over 4,000 yards, breaks the rookie record for passing. And I think that his career was up and down. He had some injuries. He had some adjustments. He had an MVP year. Uh, and I think there were some times where he was really scary. But if you just look at him and you think about what he's saying, Cam did have to lie. He's like, look, I had to carry a squad. And, you know, I have all these amazing guys around me. And I was a blue chipper. And I did win the Heisman. And I did do I was rookie of the year. So I think he just views it a different way. And I think that's why when we talk about uh, his opinion, it's kind of hard because he's looking at Brock like this little white guy that doesn't have a big arm. And he's probably like, you know, like, this is what y'all talking about? Like, you know, I was 6'6", six, six, 250, you know what I'm saying? I'm running, I'm doing this. So in his eyes, I just think that a game changer, which he was a game changer, but a game changer from his perspective is different than maybe JT O'Sullivan, who does film breakdowns, or uh, Johnny Dell Football, or anybody that does these uh, film breakdowns and watches Brock. They're like, no, this guy is doing things at a very high level that even uh, Jimmy wasn't doing he is changing the game for the 49ers, and they're just viewing it from a different perspective, I think. I think um, Cam probably looks at Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, like those guys, and it's like difference makers, game changers. Brock Purdy, little guy, doesn't, you know, not a game changer. But I think we all can agree that his opinion on that is wrong. But I do value his opinion from the standpoint of a guy that played the highest level. So uh, I think that's that's it. Uh, I don't want to go too far into it. We already spent too much time on it. Uh, our thoughts on that. Appreciate everybody's in the chat right now. Um, I have not been able to get your thoughts on the 49ers, and they just beat Seattle 11 straight wins against the division. The 49ers doing a terrific job there. Shout out to them. And they became, after the Giants win, the first team to clinch a playoff berth and now have the number one seed. I want to ask you, how important is it the 49ers hold on to that number one seed till the playoffs go through Santa Clara?
1: It is priority number one, super, super important. Um, everybody's, all these teams, everybody's starting to have breakdowns and in, injuries are coming up. Even for us, we've got a lot of soft tissue things coming through, some nagging injuries. And that, that week off is gonna be really, really awesome. Um, everyone is saying the 49ers with a healthy team, all the hands on deck is unstoppable and they're not wrong. So we need that first week off um
0: and uh and it's crucial yeah you, you you look at that first week off and getting healthy some people say ah, i kind of throws teams out of rhythm uh so i don't know what's right Shoot, when i watched the 49ers in 2019 i want to say they had a first round by that year and didn't throw them out of rhythm they ended up in the division around playing the vikings did well uh went on to green bay did very well and having to only win two games to get to the super bowl i think that's the most ideal path so um not having to go to Philadelphia again, even though you've proven you can win there, not having to go to Dallas, even though you've proven that you can win there as well in the postseason. Um, I think that the 49ers are in a really good position. And I think it's, it's cool to get that by. I think for me, it's more so about having that week off as opposed to having to go and travel somewhere else. But would you agree on that? Do you think it's more about getting healthy and having that week off as opposed to, oh man, we don't want to have to go to Dallas. We don't want to have to go to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. It's more about getting the rest. I mean, you saw how we came out of the bye week. We came out just swinging. The, the last year, even after our, our bye week, we came out swinging. So I think that rest isn't going to alter our momentum going forward. I think it's more about just getting, getting healthy. All hands on deck. So we can do this uh, thing. We can roll it. We can get this Lombardi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, 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 do you feel like, Right now, with just how the team is built, how they're cooking, how they're playing, do they have the best chance of winning? Do you think that? Okay, everybody talks about like Super Bowl or bust, and I and I assume that you know I I agree. Like this team is that right? Like it's you got to win the Super Bowl. You've been to the conference title for the last five years or whatever it is. You've been to a Super Bowl. Like you've had a lot of success, and it's like okay, when are you going to win that game? And it is extremely difficult to win the super bowl like it's just hard one team wins it and more times than not for a lot of years it was the patriots uh right now we see it's kind of the kansas city chiefs time although they look like they're playing down right now but when you look at everything and with the 49ers do you feel like you know what like this is your best opportunity like you're actually the favorites i like because even in past years like they weren't the favorites right it's always been like kansas city maybe Buffalo, you know one of these other teams but this year you are the favorites you're, you're you're playing good on the offense. You're playing good on defense. you think this is the best chance since 1994 that the 49 have had to win the Super Bowl?
1: Hell yeah, I said at the beginning of the year, this is it, this is our year. I will cry a freaking million tears if it doesn't work out. This, it'll be the biggest heartbreak because I have never felt so like this is it. This has got to be it. So I'm ready. Been
0: ready all year. I'm soaking it all in, you know, just taking it one day at a time, one week at a time, one game at a time. JM, uh, JM617 says, Dallas has the hardest schedule of the top teams. Uh, I don't have it up in front of me, but I have kind of discussed it with my brother a little bit. They just played Philadelphia. That was a really big win for them. They also go on, if I'm not mistaken, they play the Dolphins, Bills, and Lions. I don't know what in what order, but I think they play those two three teams and all those teams are, you know, beatable. I don't think any of those three teams are playing their best football, but they are just tough outings, right? Like at any point, Buffalo can be tough because of who's that quarterback there at any point Detroit, who's a gritty team can be tough. You know, at any time the Miami dolphins who, eh, you know, they have, they don't have any really good wins, but you know, the players that they have and, and the uh, challenges that they present. So, I would agree that out of the three remaining, out of the three best NFC teams, the, the Dallas Cowboys have the toughest road to potentially getting that. Uh, yeah, I
1: have it that. here. Cowboys at Buffalo, Cowboys at Miami, and then they're home against the Lions. So they are road games too for these next two, Buffalo and Miami, so.
0: Someone didn't like Dallas because even before the season, like, first of all, those are all three non-divisional games. You look at the 49ers and what they have left, right? It's like, you got the Cardinals like it's divisional game. Like of course you have them down the stretch. You have the uh you got the Rams and the, the Rams aren't playing. I think we've kind of forgotten about them, but the Rams aren't playing bad like that. You know, it's just they've been a little up and down and they've lost some games and some close games just lost a tough one to Buffalo. I mean excuse me to Baltimore who the Fortnite's play. But the Rams aren't bad. But like you know you got divisional games. Like where are the Cowboys divisional games late in the year, yeah. and for them to say, "No, nah, you don't got the divisional games," and we're gonna make you pay some play some guys who, heading into the year, we felt like these teams were gonna be good. Like heading to the years, like you know, when you look at Super Bowl odds, Buffalo up there, Miami up there, Lions. I don't know about Super Bowl odds, but people felt like they would be really good. So to tell the Cowboys, you gotta go, and you gotta play. The Philadelphia Eagles, then you got to play Buffalo Bills, then you got to play Miami Dolphins, then you got to play Detroit Lions. Somebody had it out for the Dallas Cowboys with that scheduling.
1: <laughs> well, and I think this will be really telling because we've said up until they beat Philly that they've not played great teams. So, like, this is really a good opportunity for us to see what this is going to look like with them playing against teams that, you know, can compete. So, I'll be really interested to see how it shakes
0: out heading into the stretch. All right, Coach Desi, the one thing that we really wanted to discuss, and we've talked all this good about the 49ers and where they are uh, right now. They're cooking. They're playing very well. You won five straight. You lost three straight. You won five straight more, and they're definitely going to be the favorites heading into this Arizona game by, if I had guess, double digits. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a 13-point spread right now. But – You have had some injuries, and I think because of the wins, we've kind of glossed over that. I think if you lose, then you start to look at, well, you didn't have Eric Armstead, you didn't have Aaron Banks, you didn't have Traverse Ward, he left the game. You start to look at those pieces that you're missing, uh, but winning, you kind of gloss over that. Armstead, not healthy. Aaron Banks, not healthy. Mooney Ward, your starting cornerback, not healthy. Uh, What can you tell us about the injury, and we'll start with Eric Armstead, who's a staple of the middle of that defense there.
1: Yeah, so he's got a foot and a knee issue. So last year he's, he dealt with a lot of, um, uh, what is it, um, plantar fasciitis. And that's a kind of a naggy injury, can always creep up, especially this part of the season. So I'm not sure that that's actually what's going on, but they, that's just what I'm assuming based on his history. So foot and knee for Eric Armstead. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's Arizona. We did pretty well last week without him. So I would guess they'd probably keep him rested as much as they can pull him out against Baltimore for sure. Um, But that's, what's going on with Eric Armstead. Um, Spencer Burford, he injured a knee in week 12 against Seattle. And then he re injured, he injured the other knee. So now he's, he's got both knees kind of banged up. One's coming off into healthier. The other one's kind of uh, just, just starting. Ross Dwelly, the high ankle sprain, he's going to be out for a few weeks. We'll see how that shakes out, which is interesting because did did Zach Ertz actually get picked up anywhere yet? I haven't seen anything come through.
0: I, I haven't seen that, but if I had to guess, usually those signings happen Tuesdays, I think. So the fact that he hasn't been picked up yet, uh, he probably has some options and is kind of waiting to see what's the best situation for him, which I think is 49ers. That's tight end too, but.
1: I agree. I just didn't know if I missed anything yesterday. Luter, hamstring, they think it's a possible return this upcoming week. Same thing with Elijah Mitchell. He's had some residual soreness from that Eagles game, so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, Javon Hargrave, hamstring, um, he might return. Kyle Shanahan said Monday that he may return to practice this week. We'll see. Same thing with with Charverius Ford. He's a groin, so soft tissue, soft tissue. Um, Greenlaw. So it was hip initially is what was reported. And now there's also ankle sprain. So we'll keep an eye on on that. Um, for our linebacker room, also Oren Banks. Knee tendinitis. So that's one of those nagging injuries. So anything with itis is inflammation. Um, so we'll see. That could be out a couple of weeks for him. So our, our linebacker room is starting to have some issues there. But uh, that's kind of an extensive list. Fortunately, nothing that's I think the worst on here might be the high ankle sprain for Ross Dwelly. Everything else looks like it's just um, pain tolerance and how quickly they can get back to um, feeling good to be on the field.
0: Ross Dwelly being down should be more incentive to go out there and get Zach Ertz, right, you know, kind of what he's dealing with with a high ankle sprain. Uh, You you talked about a few of the guys on the offensive line. Like, Does that worry you having Spencer Burford dealing with injuries, having Aaron Banks in the offensive line who people already are saying, not a good old line. Like they're not playing very well outside of, you know, Trent Williams. You know what you're going to get from him. But any metrics and any graphs that I've seen that shows the 41's offensive line way over to the wrong side of the graph, uh, does it worry you to have those guys kind of hampered with injuries?
1: It worries me to the extent that I think even after, when we talked after the Eagles game, I had mentioned. You know, we do so much better when we go to the left, go to the left. Why? Because we've got the silverback gorilla over there, right? we got Trent Williams, all pro, incredible future Hall of Famer over there, holding up the, the left side of the, of the line. The right side, we can't seem to make a lot happen. And so that worries me as we head into a playoff picture where people are going to know where our weakness is and where our strength is. It's pretty blatantly obvious at this point. So um, it would be valuable to have some of these guys back uh, to help as best we can.
0: Definitely. All right. And uh, you're going to need them for one Arizona Cardinals. So I, I wanted to give our initial thoughts on Arizona, and then I'll bring a few people on the talk uh, live to get their thoughts on just kind of everything that we've discussed today. But the Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that is coming off of a, a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Steelers have their issues as well over there, but you got your quarterback back, you know, uh, Kyler Murray, and I don't think he's playing exceptionally well, but at, any point and can just start to click, you know, when a guy that is uh, that kind of talent, uh, whether he's using his legs, using his arm, you've got Trey McBride. Uh, I wouldn't say McBride is in year two out of Colorado State, and he is coming on strong right now. Uh, they're finally using him, and I think that allowed them to get rid of Zach Ertz. I just think uh, a, a lot of things kind of setting up for them to be a little bit more competitive than what they've been, uh, throughout the year. So do you have any initial thoughts or is this just one of those things where, hey, 49ers, you play your game of football. This shouldn't be an issue.
1: I mean, you can't sleep on Arizona, especially with Kyler Murray back. But I just want everybody to know you don't have to worry. My fantasy team has been so horrible. I've been so injury laden that if I just put him as my starting quarterback, we won't have a problem. <laughs> like, apparently, everybody I throw into my fantasy as a starting quarterback just goes down. They either lose or just don't do well. So I'm just going to do that. I'll take care of this. I'll take it for the team. You know, I'll risk my my rolling into the playoffs and my fantasy league for this. I'll, I'll make sure we hook that up. But, yeah.
0: I actually no have – so I have three quarterbacks. Um, I actually drafted Kyler Murray really late because I was just like, you know, at some point he's going to come back. Let me have him. So I have him stashed on the IR for most of my fantasy year. And then he's he's active, but he's not doing anything crazy. But my other two quarterbacks – Uh, both are potential MVP candidates. I got Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. So, uh, And for the first half of the season, I started Lamar Jackson. Since then, I've started Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott has been putting up big top numbers for me every single week, every week, Dak. So uh, a lot of people – again, we we see what Brock is doing, and I think people look at the numbers, but, man, Dak has been impressive as well. So uh, for my fantasy team, he's definitely – done very well for me
1: <laughs> I had Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I had Joe Burrow. <laughs> I had JK Dobbins. <laughs> oh I had like literally even Tank Dell. Like just yeah, it's so I'll take one. I I'll just I'll just put Tyler Kyler Murray up on the on the starting position and we'll be good. No worries. Got you.
0: Um yeah we'll do that because I think we're gonna need it. And jam six seventeen says scrappy team as of late talking about the Cardinals uh spoiler teams are dangerous and I wouldn't even say just all well, the teams are dangerous. I think just divisional teams are dangerous because you know, they know you. Now, this is a new staff over in Arizona. And maybe they don't know the 49ers as well, right? I uh, think it's Seattle, and they're supposed to be dangerous because it's a divisional team, but the 49ers are just kind of <laughs> handled them pretty easily. But uh, typically, all right, typically, when you have these uh, teams that are – in the division and you play against them and you have coaches that just know each other, even when the 49ers are bad, it's like, well, Kyle Shanahan he's played against, you know, uh, a Seahawks team, like how, how many times, you know, you start to just know a team. The Cardinals, I don't know how well they know the team, but just playing them once already, you know, what that was like, I think that might help. So it's not, it's definitely not a team I want to just overlook and just think like, ah, you're going to dust them off. But, uh, well, I definitely got to come out with a win. In in, yeah. in this game, so I'm I'm feeling confident for sure, for sure.
1: I'm feeling confident. I just don't want any, I don't want any injuries. I don't want any. You know, sometimes when you're number one, people just want that that bragging rights. If we took them down, who cares if we, you know, we had this kind of season? We took down this team. So you know, we gotta just be careful with that. So I'm always like, okay, let's just make sure we're good as we come in <laughs> and leave with everybody just healthy.
0: Right, right, right. All right. Awesome stuff today. Coach Desi, anything uh, before we get out of here?
1: Let's do this. Come on, guys. We This is the path. We know where we're going. We got the number one. Let's stay there. We got this. No worries.
0: All right. And I definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in today. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Until then, we'll see y'all. Uh, well, I'll be back tomorrow. Coach Desi will be back next Wednesday. We're out. Peace. Oh. Go check out that episode with Will Blackman. A lot of really, really good stuff. I, okay, real quick before we get out of here.
1: I asked him, you know, I
0: mean, we we talked about a lot. So there, there was a lot. We were on for an hour and a half. Wasn't expecting to be on for that long. But he, um, you know, I got to just kind of pick his brain on, you know, certain matchups, guys that, you know, he went up against in, in games. Uh, we talked about quarterbacks and, you know, who was difficult to game plan, who was more difficult to game plan against or that's not even the question I asked. I asked, who in your eyes were better, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? What do you think he said? Tom Brady. He said that Aaron Rodgers was more difficult to game plan for because there was literally no throw on the field that was off limits. Like, just the way he did it, the mobility added more difficulty to it. Uh, Just the – Areas of the field he would throw and how he would do it with ease. Uh, There were a lot of good nuggets on that. So All he right. thinks that Brady is the better quarterback. But when you had to go and face him, they were more worried a little bit uh, with Aaron Rodgers on how to defend him as opposed to Tom Brady. So
1: Brady wasn't fast. So if he got out of the pocket, you weren't too worried about <laughs> tracking him. Right. So there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff there. Make
0: sure y'all go check that out. Um, yeah, it's titled something with Cam Newton and all that, and yeah, World Black Miss in it. so that's gonna do it for this episode. Again, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, underdog fantasy, download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code crocky, the W deposit up to $100. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.